y'all. I'm Leslie. I'm Laurie, and welcome to Sumo, Sumo Kaboom, where we talk about all things sumo. Yeah, and this week, we're going to be talking about the man who just retired, That's Hakaho. Right. I know he's one of many that have just retired, but he's a pretty unique, unique and very famous sumo wrestler. If you've been following Sumo for a while, you know about him, you know why he is so famous, but we just thought, you know, if people are relatively new to this sport, they may not know a lot about him, and they may not be as excited about his retirement, and, you know, it was a it was a bittersweet moment for many people, and so we're going to talk about his career as well as his retirement ceremony in case you missed it. That's the plan for today. Oh, by the way, side note, I had a dream. About as, Hakaho? About Hakaho. I cannot and, share my dreams about Hakaho. Oh, no, mine was just funny in that um, I dreamed that, I, you know, I look up all this information on him and then I translate it. And I dreamed that his name was uh, <laughs> Hakaho Lorenzo Show. <laughs> Hakaho Lorenzo Show. I like that. <laughs> he had like he had an Italian middle name. That's not the case at all, but I was giggling that I was like, how did my brain think that one up? Uh, let's jump to a newsflash. There's lots of excitement going on about this new kid from Hakaho Stable. Ochiai is his name, and he's a total phenom. He won all of his Makushita bouts, and he came in at Makushita 15 because he had a pedigree. So he was like one all high school Yokozuna and corporate Yokozuna. I did which, not realize there was a corporate yes, Yokozuna. Yes. I mean, I knew that, I think, but I just, it just is funny in my mind that there's just like a corporate world Yokozuna. Anyway. How do they determine a corporate world well, Yokozuna? Lots of corporations have sumo clubs and. They have people who wrestle, and then all of the corporations wrestle each other's wrestlers. Does that make sense? So it's businessmen yeah, doing sumo? I guess, or young men that are part of, like, the corporate world. I Look, I don't know. I'm going to have to do a whole episode on it. But anyway. Coming he, soon um, to you. That's right. Corporate and, yokozuna. you know, one of our listeners, Kay, always sends me, like, some really fun videos of the up-and-comers. And there has been so much stuff about this kid. But he is going to make it up to Jurio this time. And this kid is fire. So that, What does he look like? Like, he's beefy and shorter. And he has very short hair. So he is going to be one of those, like, Endo and Ichinojo where they make their debut in Jurio and they have short hair that's kind of mullet-y mm. although we'll see his hair won't even be a mullet because it was really short in this last one it'll just kind of be poofy i think he looks like a little gremlin when he fights like there's a little bit of tochi notions kind of like grounded and hunched over kind of shoulder business going on which some of you i know some of you call that tochi notions the sex, sex gremlin. gremlin yeah 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 the uh, sex he, gremlin walk yeah i don't know why but it has it, that term has stuck in my head now so thank you whoever it was that gave us that term anyway so he um also trained under ishiura so his father sorry not ishiura ishiura's father at totori high which i like to have i'd like to have like a sweet valley high like book series Spin that's off? called 
Tatori, Tatori High, and it's like love lives of all the wrestlers. You know, at there's Tatori a manga High. series out there already you know, called that. Tatori High. I think that maybe for a Valentine's episode, we should. I should write something, an excerpt from Tatori High's uh, Sumo Club. Speaking of, mm-hmm. do you have more to say about this? Kid? No, no, no. Okay, Valentine's Day episode is coming up, y'all. That's right. Which means that it's time for our annual Sexiest Ricochet Contest. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be making the thing that you vote with. Uh, We're going to need your vote for Sexiest Ricochet. So if you're not on our email list, get on it. That's right. So we can send send you out a poll. Yeah, that's what it's called. (laughs) That's what it's called, poll. Sometimes sometimes I have hard with words. Sometimes I have hard with words. There, see? It happened again. I haven't had enough green tea this morning. Okay, because we need your vote on Sexiest Sumo Wrestler. So we'll be emailing it out. We'll also put it on our socials. Yeah. The first year, Enho won. That's right. Second year. Hoshoryu? Hoshoryu won. Which was a surprise. Yes. We could have a whole new wrestler this year, and I hope we do. I I feel like I know exactly who it's going to be. Well, for you. Well, I think for a lot of people, but I'm not going to say it because I don't want to taint the water. That's right. We have no idea who people find sexy. That is what this poll and this voting is all about. So make sure you let us know who you think is the sexiest sumo wrestler. It will be anyone who who, uh, wrestled in the very top division Mm -hmm. throughout the last year. And what else do I have to say? Oh, and, and we need poetry. Yes, you we're all gonna collect, need to get started. Yeah, we're gonna collect poetry, haikus, anything you would like to write about your sexiest sumo wrestler, or just passion for sumo, yeah. your love for sumo. We welcome all emails, all phone, phone calls. calls. You could write a song and sing a song. Yeah. Oh, we would love that. Oh, please <laughs> write us a song about your sexiest sumo wrestler. We will play that on our next podcast. And who knows? If we have more material than we can use in one episode, we'll just make an entire month of this. That's right. Because this honestly is kind of the highlight of our year. Yeah, <laughs> it is for me as well. It just brings me joy. So we've got a lot of love coming down uh, the pike in February. So get Coming on, down the chute. Coming down the chute, exactly. And I believe Mac is going to be back with more... Macro sexy, Grand Sumo Breakdown. Yes, uh, more, more sexy, sexy erotica. sumo erotica. Uh, I'm going to throw in some sexy sumo okay. erotica. So this is see. shaping up to be a very sexy sumo yes, month. February. Yes. All right. So, but we need your help. So please help us out. All right. So back to some news. The judging department, since we've had some shakeups with Isagahama Oyakata stepping down, we are getting a bump up of other like judges that we're going to see on the sidelines. Ajigawa, who is Amanishki and and Goedo, you're going to see. I'm doing all their old names because I don't know if you all know Takakuma is Goedo now. But anyway, Kotoshogiku, Kakeru, and Hakaho are now Ian, I think it's how they say it. Anyways, there's all these different levels of shimpan. Mm-hmm. And so there is a uh, Kayo is now taking over the executive or the head of the judging department. But everybody else that we've been seeing uh, retire over a while is getting bumped up into this judging category. So we're going to start to see them still on the sidelines during these tournaments. So oh. I think that's fun. Ted Fuji had his Meiji Shrine Yokozuna dedication on January 30th. 
And I was like, didn't he already do that? But maybe not. Anyway. Yeah, he did. Well, may- he did I another think one. I it's an annual thing. I think. <laughs> it was nice to see him back in action. Yes. It was nice to see him moving on those knees. He's yes. He's pretty careful with it. Well, and they had a chance, some reporters, to interview him after that. And he had uh, some stuff to say, mostly vague. Everyone's like, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? And he's like... When I discuss it with my Oyakata and when I feel ready, he, of course, wants to come back. He says about his knees is that they're smoother. He still has the same amount of pain, but I think the clicking and all that kind of stuff before has been taken care of or is healing. Yeah. I thought it was interesting because he said something used to get caught yeah. in there and yeah. that's gone. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. But the pain is still the same. Yeah. He also said the next step for him... Or in the future, he's going to have to have that knee replaced. Yeah. It said surgery. So I was like, oh, that probably means both of them. So that's not good. He's, yeah, had a lot. Mm, Just a lot of surgery on your knees. Well, that's what happens when you're injured. You fall down to the bottom ranks. Then you have to bust your booty to get back up and become a Yokozuna. Also, shout out to Meiji Cottage Cheese. Anyone live over in Japan to know I got addicted to Meiji Shrine, Meiji Cottage Cheese. Anyway, just a side note. Anybody else love Meiji Cottage Cheese? I did. That was random. I know. Well, I just kept thinking. Cottage cheese. Cottage cheese. Because I can't get that cottage cheese here. And Lorenzo. And, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, now you know how Leslie's brain works. <laughs> Lorenzo, <laughs> Meiji Cheese. Also, before we jump into the main meat portion of this podcast. Inho had eye surgery. Yeah. Okay. I, know, but, I had a big question about this. Okay. So he showed up at Hakawa's retirement ceremony yeah. looking vaguely like a combination between the like the swamp thing and Kermit the Frog. He and had a unicorn. <laughs> he had one eye. I mean, kudos to the bandage crew for the most hauntingly creepy sumo look of 2023 because it was truly inspiring. I mean, I kind of felt like the motivation was just, it was there. It did the job. It was a wrap up, but the follow through just kind of wasn't there. It was as big as a softball. Yeah. But uh, we found out why he, um, so on day 10 or 11, I think of the last Basho, he fractured like his right eye, like the the socket. It's called the orbital floor. It was an or- orbital floor fracture <laughs> fracture of the Ooh. right eye. Ouch. And so there was like a picture, like an x-ray of it. And I was like, ouch. So he had surgery on the 27th and it takes three weeks of recovery time or in sumo. I'm sure he'll be back tomorrow. He is known as the GOAT, the greatest of all time. With a man like this, with such a career, we could, I don't know, have a few episodes dedicated to him and his career. But we will just try to keep it short for today. He is a legend. Now, a lot of people know facts about Hakaho Show, the only sumo show that you really ever need to know, um, which I always thought that last name is perfect for him. Because? Because he's the show. Well, and and show means prize. Yeah. Oh, well, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Gino Show. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So, so he's the Hakaho Prize. He is. <laughs> and he is. <laughs> he is a, he's a gift to us all. Yes. So here's a little recap of his stunning career and his and his... 
background, his his growing up, how he came to be this incredible athlete with such incredible sumo technique, skills, fierceness, and record-breaking abilities. And he's exactly the ultimate sumo wrestler and thus the, the owner of the moniker in the sumo world, GOAT, the greatest of all time. But he's been in this sport and dominating for over 20 years, and he's been a lightning rod of excitement that has brought more fans into the sport. And he's always continued to build the popularity of the sport within Japan and continued to give everything to a country and a sport that has many times proven to not quite equally love him in return. But I think overall, no one can deny, he's awesome. Haters be hatin' and lovers be lovin' on Hakaho. So let's get to it. He was born Monk Barton Javar Jagol. I did it in Ulan Batar. There's just a lot of A's in there, and I don't know if I do it did it right. He was born March 11th in 1985, and he was born into a sporting family. His father was a renowned champion in Mongolian wrestling, and he competed in the 1964 Tokyo Olympics as a freestyle wrestler, and then he actually won the silver medal in the 1968 Mexico City Olympics, which was the country's very first Olympic medal. So he is held in high regard, or he was, in Mongolian society. I mean, he's kind of a legend, and he was the equivalent of a Mongolian Yokozuna called a Darkon Avarga, which means champion of Dargon, which is Yokozuna, really. His mother is still alive. His father's not alive anymore, but his mother's still alive. She was, There was a lot of information that just like wasn't there on her. I did really, really dig, but I did find one source that says she was a surgeon. So he grew up in a well-to-do household most of the time. Although his life, uh, Monkbatten, was one of privilege growing up, he also spent a month every summer living, I think, with his uncle out in the harsh Mongolian plains, which he credits that as to one of the keys to his success in the sumo world. You know, he was a city kid, and he loved the harshness of that landscape. In one interview, he he said on his uncle's ranch, he would sleep in a portable hut. He would fetch water from the from a well. He spent most of the day on horseback herding sheep. He would stay up at night and watch for wolves. He also hunted and uh, for sustenance and cooked up prairie dog, which he mentions as one of his faves. <laughs> which mm-hmm. he said he would cook on a hot rock. Mm-hmm. And he said it tastes like the tip of a chicken wing. Mm-hmm. And that tastes was, like chicken. Yeah. He said it was one of his favorite foods in those days. So he would stuff himself from that food and eat mutton and drink fermented horse milk and live kind of that nomadic Mongolian life that, that Mongolians have survived doing, you know, for so many ages. He said... Without those experiences, I never would have become a grand champion. And then at the end of the summer, he would come back to his home and school in Ulaanbaatar, and he would, you know, be a normal kid and stuff. And from the age of about 10 to 12, he focused on basketball. All the while, he would get these Japanese sumo magazines, and he would he would become obsessed with them. He would read them nonstop. At a very early age, he knew he wanted to become a wrestler. 
He was a very avid reader. He played chess. I mean, he was a smart kid, but he had a dream and he was not going to give up on it. When they all, when his parents came to kind of realize that he had dreams of becoming a sumo wrestler, they were like, uh, no, thank you. Uh, you're not going to. Tough life. Tough life. No, not going to do it. You're going to stay here in school. And uh, no, we're not going to do that. But when he got to be 15, there was a group that was taken over to be scouted. And it was headed up by Kyoku Shuzon, who was a fellow Mongolian wrestler. And uh, so Hakaho was one of those kids. Now his parents let him go and they said, he'll come home in a couple months. <laughs> oh, it's a chance to see the world. <laughs> right. Yeah, go travel. But really more like he'll, he'll learn real fast. This is not for him and he'll come home. He was learning sumo at Setsu Warehouse. I don't know exactly what that is, but it's in Osaka. While they were all kind of waiting to be scouted. And so all the other boys around him got scouted by the sumo stables, except for him. He was very, very small and skinny. And he was 15. And nothing was happening for him for two months. Like everyone passed on him. And then the last day that he was there... (laughs) His, uh, the, the scouting guy that brought him over called up Miyagano Oyakata and was like, come, just I got, come. One, kid I got one kid, just come and take pity on him. Just like, come. <laughs> but his dad's amazing. His dad's amazing, but like, come on, help, help, help me out here. He's young. He's young. And so the coach came over and he was like, all right. <laughs> he led him into the stable, which was a very, very small stable. So One thing to remember about his stable upbringing was very different than some of these big competitive stables. There were a few wrestlers in that day, and the Oyakata had kind of a different perspective on training. It wasn't as harsh. He, I mean, it was harsh, but um, I mean, he definitely ended up crying his eyes out. I was going to say, he has some stories. Compared to the competitiveness of other stables and people just not making it, he was able to adjust maybe a little bit more, uh, learn the foods of Japan, um, get accustomed. He didn't have, I mean, he had tough jobs, but he was able to kind of work a little bit more freely um, in this smaller environment. So that was one thing that kind of maybe helped him adjust in the beginning. On December 24th, 2000, he joined Miyagano stable. He used to get up before everybody else and practice before he even needed to. He was so determined because he did not want to return to Mongolia because he knew that his parents had already expected him to want to come home and that he wasn't going to be able to handle it. So he took everything seriously. He's always been wired a little bit differently that he just really, really wanted this from a very early age and come hell or high water was gonna make it happen. So his first official bout was in March 2001. So he joined pretty much, that was like three months later. And his, I think his first tournament, he got more wins than losses. It was the May tournament. He's had two t- losing tournament records. And that was like May of 2001 and then July of 2002, he had a losing record. And I'm pretty sure that after that, or Everything else is a winning record, which is kind of remarkable. He, yeah, he took um, off like a rocket. Yeah. He learned Japanese. He just in completely 
made this transformation in every possible way he could to succeed. He was doing everything, sometimes watching the chonko at other times, answering the stable phones at other times, practicing all day, every day, sleeping when he could. He took it seriously. In 2003, he was promoted to Makushita. It was a little bit tougher there because he wanted to be so much stronger than he was. It's like his body couldn't get there as fast as his mind wanted to. And but this um, is, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is a kid who started from the very lowest ranks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He got no head start anywhere. No. no. Started at the bottom. Yeah. 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 And just worked himself to the bone all the while eating rice and uh, 10 plates of meat, you know, anytime he could. He had no problem eating, which is actually a deal. A lot of these wrestlers, when they start sumo, have a really hard time with the eating training because it's so much. But he was like, nope, I can do it. It was the Makushita year um, where he got in trouble, I think, for just having outbursts of crying during a number of morning Keikos. He sobbed and sobbed. And I think it was then that he thought, maybe this isn't for, maybe this is just too hard. His father got word about that incident and called Ishiura's father. Very, very, very famous in the high school uh, sumo world. And Ishiura's father said, you know what? If he quits sumo now, he can never come back. And that's kind of hearing it from him and then him relaying it back to Hakoho, that was the end of it. He just said, okay, I'm going to continue on. And he did. And in four months, he gained 25 kilos. <laughs> he was now bigger and more powerful than ever. He was 18 years old. He made it up to the Jurio division in January, 2004. And he joined uh, Makauchi uh, two tournaments later. And he was and pretty much from there, the rest is history. He rapidly reached Yokozuna, which he achieved in 2007, and his reign began. All the while, you know, Asashoryu and the rivalry there, Harama Fuji, Kisunosato, Terada Fuji, all, all of these uh, Yokozunas that came at the same time and after him, and he was still the longest serving Yokozuna, I believe, of all time. Yeah. One of the things that I think is so interesting about Hakuho is he didn't spend much time at Ozeki. No. Hardly at all, because he just was so good. He popped up to the top and then has been there for 15 solid years. Yeah. He has 1,187 wins, 247 losses. And Makauchi, of all of his basically 1,200 wins, 1,100 of those were in Makauchi. Isn't that Wait, crazy? What? His lifetime records was 1,187 wins. Of in, those of, in his entire career. Yeah. Of those, 1,093 were in Makauchi. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. No. Isn't that crazy. It makes perfect sense because that's just the amount of time it took for him to rise to the top. Right. And stay there. He has 45 tournaments, uh, tournament wins, which is the most that, of. That's the trophy, y'all. He yeah. has won the big Basho. Yeah. 45 times and nobody <laughs> comes close oh no. not even i he passed up taiho's yeah. record all of the big guys records he he passed up he has uh distinguished service awards which i think is the fighting spirit he has fighting spirit he has the technique and the um what's the other one the um 
um, I don't know, the uh, You Were Great. Outstanding Outstanding. <laughs> you Are Great Award. <laughs> you Are Great Award. You Are Great Lorenzo But he actually award. doesn't have that many of them because by you that. You can't get them when you're younger. Right. So uh, he actually doesn't have that many. Yeah. Um, Same with Gold Stars. He doesn't have that many. Because he just he, popped right up to Sanyaku and then became Yokozuna. I mean, yeah. that's what's so astounding about his record. I know. It's so different from anybody else's I know. record. Well, he is purely dominated. Yeah. As much as people love to hate him, he is the definition of what a Yokozuna should be and how he should win in everyone's eyes. Right. How often he should win. Maybe right. not how he should win, but how often and how dominant yeah. Yokozuna is. Well, and his body too. Like he was 6'4", 340. And which, is, which is slim for Yokozuna, really. Right, but tall. Yeah. I was about to say he's high, but he's tall. I mean, he just broke record after record. I feel like I'm kind of skimming over his record, but like when you look at it on Wikipedia – you're just like, where do I even start? Every single year, there's just, you know, he broke the record for the most wins in a calendar year, winning 86 out of 90 bouts. And he did that, the same record again, like in 2010, like the long, second longest winning streak in sumo history. I mean, he holds the record for the most undefeated tournament championships at 16, which is eight more than any other sumo wrestler in history. There's anyway, a lot of stats. A tons of stats. He's so well-rounded. And you know what? As far as like his personal life, he credits a lot of that to his his continued success. He married a Japanese commoner. She is the she was the uh daughter of a very powerful sumo supporter. She's not famous. Uh she's just stayed by his side. And he says behind every strong man is a very wise woman. And he credits her to uh, his strength and there was like a story about her like when he was really nervous or sick or something had like a fever at a tournament in Osaka she got on a bullet train and came down there and made him Mongolian food and then he went on to like win the next day and uh, he's a father of four he's um, and now he's an Oyakata he's a father of many so he's was Magaki now Miyagano and he's raising up this next generation of powerhouses and um, Ochiai is one of those Hokuseiho who are also seeing who's an enormous Mongolian kid um, I think a real promising dominating like Oyakata or stable for the future it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty exciting to see in time who yeah who he raises up and not only that but he has also sponsored the tournament for children yeah the, the Hako, Hako cup. cup yeah yeah many of the people that he was fighting at the end of his own career came up through the Hakaho cup right you know were then fighting their mentor i just it kind of blows my mind like when i think about how long he's been there yeah think about what our world was like in 2001 the mm -hmm. big huge stories mm -hmm. of the year 2001 in America. Yeah. That's basically when he was starting and mm -hmm. he came up and has been a solid Yokozuna since. That seems like ages ago. I know. It it what it was. Yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. I mean, what a legend. I hope more people who come into the sport, you know, if they come in after Hakaho's reign that they will go back and yeah. watch his rise and some of his matches because truly nobody could beat him. <laughs> no one. No one could. And, you know, the other we started, couldn't. Yeah. You know, we started, thank God we started this podcast 
at the end of his career when he was still fighting some. Yeah. Right? Now, I was not watching in the days when Hakaho was truly top of the pyramid and was showing up basho after basho. I just wasn't watching sumo back then. Right. It was towards the end of his career that I started to watch, but I was still amazed by the man's technique. Nobody moves like him. No. No one is as fast as him. He is in a class all of his own. Well, and he studied hard. I mean, he studied, like, when he couldn't find out what, like, how to improve himself, he went back and he obsessed over, was it Futabayama's videos from, like, the 40s or 50s or whenever that was, so that he could, he was constantly searching out how to become a better wrestler. And now we're actually dealing with a vacuum now that he's gone. Now we're dealing with, well, these guys have been fighting up against this guy for so long. No one could overpower him. And now there's all these young guys without him going, how do I wrestle without that standard? And who's the new standard? And who's the new Yokozuna? So this is why his retirement ceremony was such a huge, huge deal. His last tournament that he was in was the last time he went 15-0. and 0. Yeah. The final day... He beat Tara Nafuji. It was very dramatic. And then he announced his retirement like the next day. He went out on top. He did. He absolutely did. So that was over a year ago. And the day finally came. And thank God there were so many people in the arena over the weekend that all put their footage online. Yeah. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Because I spent way too many hours Saturday night watching it from all the different views and everything that happened. Well, before I go into this retirement ceremony, you need to know that I don't know enough Japanese to know exactly what was happening at all moments. (laughs) So this is kind of from the perspective of someone who's very far removed and kind of understands, but not really. Like she can catch a word here and there, but she's getting the drift of what's happening. But I'm just going to tell you what I saw. Okay. Now, there were some there were some sumo wrestler bouts kind of early in the day, I think. Yeah, so well, that- those were his his stables bouts. Those were all of his youngins in his stable that he chose. So you got to give the crowd a They're little ex- sumo. Yeah, exhibition right? matches. Yeah, yeah, you got all these people filling up the arena. They want to see some sumo. You so got to give bang for the me, buck. Yeah, it seemed to me that's what like the beginning of the day was all about. Let's show them some sumo, okay? But then there was a definite shift in tone when this uh, this beautiful, handsome man showed up for some kabuki. And yeah. y'all, I am not a kabuki expert. I have seen one bit of kabuki in my life, but I was entranced. He had this beautiful blue kimono on. It was yes, gorgeous. He looked stunning. He did not have a mask on. His face was not painted Mm -mm. the way that I would assume that that happens most of the time in Kabuki. Mm. So he was clean faced, which was kind of cool that you get to see it that way. And he performed this incredibly controlled dance with that that gorgeous blue robe and a fan in one hand and bells in the other. And I know there's a lot of meaning to the movement of the fan and the bells. And there were men behind him playing musical instruments and drums and doing chanting. There was probably a whole story. I'm sure there was. Completely went over my Texan head. (laughs) We were like, amazing, beautiful dancing. (laughs) Yeah. 
Because, you know, I come from a dance background, so I, all I can do is watch how beautifully controlled yeah. his movements are and how he just looked like water as he moved. And mm-hmm. his entire aura was just something different. You could tell, okay, this is the beginning of something different and mm-hmm. new. And he was beautiful. So we had some kabuki. Then we had a mystery person come up and s- wearing all white. And singing a beautiful anthem with this gorgeous operatic bass. Oh wait, voice. it wasn't the uh, Mongolian uh, national anthem because I think so. Yeah, oh, yeah, because he was like, and then the the guy that did the Japanese one, his name was like Gakt or something. Oh like. no, 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 no! I didn't hear. Okay, no, 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 no. You you're talking, Japanese you're talking about a different anthems? one. Oh, no, no, no. I don't. Okay. Oh, okay. So here's the question. <laughs> we don't know the difference between a Mongolian anthem and oh, the I Japanese do. anthem. Well, I do. They sounded, they were back to back. Okay. And they sounded So which clearly... one was the bass? Okay. Which one did he sing? Mongolian? Oh, the Mongolian was the opera. Okay. So one. he was all in white. Oh, yeah. So... yeah. And the Mongolians in the audience stood up. Because that okay. was their anthem. And then the Japanese guy was like straight out of like the recording studio and it was wearing a suit and he had like glasses on. Yes. His name was Gakt. Gakt. Yeah. G-A-C-K-T. <laughs> he was a very smooth operator. And uh, I had to look him up. So he's yeah. an actor and a singer. And the audience literally gasped when he went up. And I was like, why are they all gasping? He's he must a beautiful be like the man, Paul McCartney but, of, of well, Japanese I, I know. And y'all, he had huge feet. Huge feet with like very pointy toe shoes like that like had just been shoes? shined. On, oh, okay. on, no, they were just like very styling, but very big. I was like, that man has very big feet. <laughs> but he looked, I mean, he had a suit on, he had the whole thing. But one of the reasons I think the audience gasped is that last year, that man went on uh, like medical leave. He said, I can't do anything. He got very sick after oh. uh, a tour to a world tour. Oh. And he said, I'm not going to sing. I can't oh. voice act. He's a voice actor as well. He said, I can't perform. I, he had some sort of life threatening oh, no. illness last year. And I don't think he'd been seen for many, many months until oh. that moment. Now, y'all, this could be all wrong because this is all, <laughs> this is just my super sleuthing online about GACT. Okay. <laughs> But that's why I believe everyone was like literally like <gasps> Gact is here. Gact is here. Okay. Or maybe he was he's like the George Clooney of the crowd and they were all just like, Oh my god. It's Gact. It's Gact. Yeah. But he looked great mm-hmm. and I learned who Gact was, had no idea, but he's he's very beautiful. Yeah, he is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we had some arts and some entertainment up front. And then Hakaho came out with his black mawashi. And he did some shiko, and he trained some lower-ranked wrestlers. So we got to see him moving around. And I did—I don't know exactly when in the day it was, but he got to do another Yokozuna Yeah, the dojo Yeah, I don't know if he did it in the beginning or I if it was in the middle. I thought it was more in the beginning, and then... I, I saw it, but it was... Everyone he goes put away it while they're all doing their exhibition matches, and then he gets ready so maybe for his he haircut started it. ceremony. Well, I don't know. He I don't know when it happened, it. but yeah. it was really great to see it yet one more time. It's going to be well, the last time he does it until he's 60 or whatever. Yeah, and 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 his Dew Sweeper and Sword Bearer were Takakesho and Hoshoryu, yeah. which was interesting that Hoshoryu was picked. I mean, he picked two of them upcoming, like... 
you know, potentially, you know, top of the pile kind of wrestlers. Um, but I also thought Hoshoryu was an interesting choice, too, just with his relationship with Asashoryu. Yeah. You know, back to him and his black Mawashi. He he did. He trained some lower ranked wrestlers. So we got some more sumo for our money. And then his son came out oh, and he did uh, a match. Father son match and his son looks to be a young teenager now maybe i don't know how old he is 11 or 12 but he's really super skinny he looks like young hakaho yeah i mean that's kind of how hakaho looked maybe a little taller when he showed up but it is it is strange and this is something that happens often in retirement sumo retirement ceremonies they will wrestle their own sons yeah and it's there's something very touching about it. Mm-hmm. They're going through all of the same rituals. They they do the power water. They clap the hands. Like it's all it's taken very very seriously. But at the same vein, there's an announcer talking over the entire thing, and and so it has a very light kind of familial feel to it people yeah. are laughing and yeah. people are thinking oh that's so sweet yeah it's the next generation he's passing yeah. it on to but it's symbolic yeah so they had their sumo match and of course you know hakaho you know right as it began hako they do the same like stare off i'm gonna stare you down right it's very right. serious <laughs> and then right before they go hakaho grabbed this huge fistful of salt way more than he's ever grabbed yeah. in his entire career threw it up in the air and of course everybody goes wild everybody laughs his son tried as hard as he could to move him and hakaho kept throwing him back the kid tried again hakaho threw him back and then hakaho let his son take him back to the edge encouraged him to push really really hard and then dramatically fell off <laughs> off the ring and you know into the crowd tons of photographers someone from mongolia spoke i don't know who he was i'm sure it was someone very important or an ambassador or something there was, was lots- the guy who who was in the traditional yeah yeah he was um i think a very very famous like one of the most famous mongolian wrestlers of of their their legend you know what i mean he's long-standing uh mongolian wrestling legend what i liked about that is his wife i think i found the footage from it's either his wife or his friend in the audience taking video footage of him going up to the doyo and (laughs) making the speech and then coming back down it's just it's just adorable it's like you're sitting right there with i didn't see that part so i don't know if that's who it is but um i don't the only guy I really saw in that outfit, there could have been more, was one of those guys who did a, a haircutting moment. He did he did some haircutting. There were lots of speeches. There were giving of scrolls. Things. I'm getting there. Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm getting there. Uh, there was the Mongolia Cup that came out. There was taking of pictures. Then there was a change of clothing, put the black robes on, and then there was the haircutting. Right. And I did not realize that... Much of the haircutting part of a retirement ceremony is is really about getting your picture taken with the guy. Mm-hmm. Like you come up, you get the special scissors, and then you smile. Like sometimes you might even put a photo of someone you care about yeah. in Hakaho's lap, mm-hmm. and then you smile after you get the picture taken. 
it, you know, there was a like moving the chair to the edge of the doyo so that Hakaho's mom mm-hmm. could cut some of his hair. And mm-hmm. I would say Hako was pretty emotionless for most of it. Like lots of stars coming up. Steven Seagal was there, which I could not believe. <laughs> a very bad toupee. <laughs> yeah, or a, a really bad hair dye job. The poor I guy don't can't think even that move. That was normal. It was not normal. That was, was full on toupee. That was weird. Well, th- that part of me was like, oh, Stephen, just embrace where you're at. Yeah, uh, just you don't need to be Anyway, that's another thought. All of these supporters coming up, uh, cutting his hair. Like I said, he was pretty emotionless for most of it until Haramafuji. Yeah, and I believe it's Haramafuji's son mm. that was with him that came up and cut his hair, and then it was like the tears. Yeah, started to flow. Yeah. And I don't know for sure what that man said. There's lots of gossip flying around online as to what Haramafuji said. It, look at me. I'm like getting emotional. Yeah, I'm getting I already, emotional. I already said something kind of like, oh, like you you did your job with honor or something like that. There's a lot of guessing. But, but Hako had done the same thing for him. He had come up and kissed him on the cheek, which in yeah. Mongolia is a is a respectful thing that you do. So, And I'm sure that they have such a deep understanding of each other since they were in the sport at the same time. They meant a lot to each other. So they were Yokozuna at the same were, time. Yeah, I think that was just like the thing that got him. That was like the, the key brotherhood. in the lock yeah. that opened the floodgates yes. of the tears. And from that moment on, he got really, really teary. I got and teary with is, his wife, like when she was Well, like, and I'll get there in a second. I, I was lost. Uh, we got to see... All sorts of people that I recognize from Instagram, like his friends. We got to see, again, it was the who's who of the sumo world. We got to see Kota Shogiku and Goedo, all these people we know and love. Kakuryu, Kinasato. We got Terunofuji Which, up by the there way, Kakuryu's is June 6th. Yeah, his is coming up. I mean, Shodai, Takakesho, Inho with that strange eye thing, Hokuseho. <laughs> I mean, it just went on and on and on. And that's, as soon as he got emotional, that's when I got emotional yeah. watching it. And I think everybody in the audience did. And then there was this thing. I don't think I've noticed this at other retirement ceremonies, but they they changed the lights. Up to this point, all the lights were on in the arena. Mm-hmm. And then they took all the lights down dramatically and the coach, I think they're the coaches, a couple of coaches from his Heya, stepped up to the doyo to make the final snips. And before yeah. that happened, the announcer seemed to be seemed to be retalking through his last Zensho Basho with and talking about like giving a play by play of that last win over Terunofuji. Mm. It was it was this really cool. Like, I'm going to put you right back into that last Basho and how he finished his career. And then the two coaches finally cut that top knot off. And then he was he was very emotional again. Yeah. It was like this combination emotional punch of relief mm-hmm. and sadness mm-hmm. all at the same time. And that's mm-hmm. what I love about sumo. It's so emotional. Like, you're so happy mm-hmm. for the guy. You relief for the guy, and you're so sad. Yeah, at the, it was it's just very sweet, very very touching. Yeah, very touching. Yeah. And then to cap it off, his 
son and his three girls then got up and his girls gave him flowers and he touched their cheeks in this very very loving way it was adorable his wife gave him flowers they bowed she cried and then his youngest daughter spoke and it was just adorable. You could tell she had worked on the speech a long time. Uh, she's such you a could pistol. Hear, you she could, was adorable. You could see what I loved was like she went through the speech and you could see his wife mouthing all of the words <laughs> next to her daughter. Like you could tell they had practiced it at home and she was just going through all of the words with her daughter the entire time, mm-hmm. making sure she got it correctly. And I don't know exactly what she said. I thought she said something like, hey, now I might get to touch your hair a yeah. little bit. Yeah. That might be nice. Did you see the video of him afterwards at the stable? The, yes, yes, yeah. yes. They, they talked a little bit about what she said there. Yeah. Did she say more than that? Yeah. Well, she actually got to touch his hair then. For the and, first time. Yeah. Well, I don't know if for the first time, but yeah. She could mess Getting it up. used to it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't yeah, think yeah. about, at least I never thought about that. Like, of course, raising kids and like you can't even let your kids run their fingers through your hair because your hair has to be perfect. Unless you're on that, you're about to get it done again. Then you can I guess. Probably, maybe. You can't have it done when it's all nice and pretty. I don't know. The only other thing that I could translate from that speech was her saying thank you for coming to my dad's retirement ceremony, yeah. which was the last thing she said. And I was like, oh, my God, I understood a sentence. I understood just a little bit. It was just super, super cute, adorable. And then to top off the entire evening, Ikioi sang. Mm-hmm. He sang a beautiful Enka song. And Hakaho said a few words. No idea what they were. <laughs> thanks, I'm, y'all. Peace. Thanks, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it was very dramatic and it was wonderful. I'm hoping a translation is going to come out. Enjoy the souvenirs. he talked way too fast for me to pick that up. Then he took some very, very deep bows of respect. And uh, this huge community came mm-hmm. together and celebrated him. And, and he, he kissed the, the doyo floor yep, and, or yep. he put his head on the, on the clay and, and then walked out. Walked out. And then he came back out later with this gorgeous haircut that was way better. Hot way damn. better. They got, they, he, they finally got a good stylist. Yeah. The waiters just, could have used I was this just going to say it's way better than any of the options I gave him over Instagram. Kisano Sato also had a good hairstyle when he came yeah. out of there. Some of these other guys, I'm like, well, I don't know. You might need to find a new hairstylist. But this guy, he aced it. It looked great. It looked great on his head, his face. He, lo- he looks so good now. He looks. I mean, I looked, looked it before, but he looked then. incredible. He looks like, great now. Yeah. Like, all you can do is be happy and sad yeah. <laughs> at the same time. And just, just so delighted that he's stepping into this next phase. I cannot wait to see what sort of effect he has on the sumo community. I did cry some tears. Ah. I got a little wistful. Mm-hmm. Um. But I'm just really happy for him. I know. New chapter. Yeah. New chapter at Baby. The other thing I loved was that entire family picture, you know, that they got yeah. of yeah. all of his kids. And his oldest daughter had, like, the little peace fingers out. And she was like, yeah, rock on. Yeah. And his <laughs> wife, like, just straightening so his tie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I have been worried about his fashion sense. Um, but it seems like it's straightening itself out. Well, at his retirement ceremony, someone's been looking at all of those choices. The choices, yeah, that's good. 
Yeah. We'll, we'll see from here on out if he maintains this good haircut. I think he will. He looks good. Well, I'm not one to speak about anyone's fashion choices because <laughs> most of the time I am in yoga wear and that's well, it. so am I. But he did wear bright red pants and a bright red shirt somewhere like, like I would Elmo like last year. I would right? totally or do golfing that. or something. I was like, ah. <laughs> but uh, but hey, he's been wearing uh, uh, Mawashi for the last 20 plus years. So give the guy a break, right? Yep. Oh, what a fun, what a fun thing to see. And again, we will look forward to Kakaru's come June 6th. But uh, next week, what are we going to bring you next week? Who knows? But write that poetry. Get your creative juices flowing. Maybe some haikus, maybe an original song we'd love to hear. And uh, look out for our our poll of who the sexiest rikishi of, what, last year? Was it last year or this coming year? What, what is it? Of now. Of now. Who's the sexiest wrestler <laughs> of, of now. now? I know who I would vote for, and I'm pretty sure it's different than who you would vote for. So we'll see who comes out on we'll top. Until then, I'm Leslie. I'm Laurie. See y'all later. Bye. When you yeah. crack the bottom of your eye socket, it could fall out. Right. What's so, holding your eyeball in? Exactly. <laughs> So it's, they have surgery. They That's all that I could think of was him walking around with one eyeball hanging out. Like well. I said, I'm probably not going to put this in the episode. But that's all I could think of. It was very disturbing. <laughs>